On this edition of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast, we wax nostalgic with two former Calgary Vipers who won the league championship 10 years ago today. Welcome to episode 55 of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast. I'm Joe McFarland. If you've been following us on social media lately, there have been a ton of on-this-date posts as we track down the dates where Alberta teams won their respective league championships. From the Lethbridge Dodgers to the Medicine Hat Blue Jays to the Edmonton Trappers, a few teams have taken home their respective titles. The only professional baseball team in Calgary to win a championship was the Golden League Vipers. On September 12, 2009, the Vipers outlasted the Tucson Toros 18-10 to claim the title in the friendly confines of Foothill Stadium. Jubilation for many on that team who had to come back from a heartbreaking loss in the final the year before to Orange County. To mark the occasion, we thought we'd check in with a couple of the players from that team. Leading off, Medicine Hat's Drew Miller, who had been with the team from the very beginning in 2005. By 2009, Miller had become a key cog for the Vipers, hitting 343 with 19 home runs and 70 RBIs. Drew, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. No problem. I've been excited and waiting for this moment for a long time now. <laughs> You're making the ego here at uh, Alberta Dugout Stories just grow that much more by wanting to be on the podcast. That's fantastic. We've been wanting to get in touch with you about 2009 and the Calgary Vipers championship season. Take us back to 2009. Your memories as you you took to the field kind of in your hometown. I mean, it's it's Alberta, so you're in your own backyard being a med hat boy and getting an opportunity to play on that team. Well, that team for sure after, what was that now, four years from the inception of the team, I was kind of the local guy until Colin Morrow, I think, joined us that year. And it, it was great. I had so many friends and family that either just kind of randomly came through town or were just coming up on the weekend and being able to watch it was a huge thing for me because I hadn't played in Alberta since I think I was 18 playing Legion. Mm-hmm. So we, we had a lot we needed to, I guess, prove after two years of losing in game five, which I think there was only two other guys that were on the team that had experienced that bitterness twice. But uh, yeah, we came into that year going, we, we need to win. If not just for the city, for our owner, Jeff Gitney, who'd put so much time and money and energy into it that uh, we, we knew that he wanted one so bad, and so did we. Talk about the moment where you guys realized that there was something to that season. Did you know from the onset, or was did, did you guys go through a bunch of growing pains? I don't really remember too many growing pains. I knew right out of the gate, um, especially with all of us, like myself, and I think it was Evan Grussell and Kevin Price. We were part of those other two teams. But then we had um, guys from the year before. I think Joe Surgent was on there. And uh, Max Suzuki, I think, was there, as well as a couple other guys. And our whole kind of rhetoric before the season was, we're not going to let that happen again. We we came too far. We don't want to you – know, if you've watched the YouTube video, you get to see the last moments. And we have friends in Orange, that played on Orange County that – keep replaying it every year all the time and uh yeah we just wanted everybody to know that this was our mission and that it didn't matter 
if we lost one or two in a row, we were going to go all the way and we were going to make sure that that was our only and ultimate goal. You mentioned a few of the names there, but when you look at that roster and you think back, who really stands out to you as being sort of the the linchpin to that organization or was it a, a real team effort? It was definitely a team effort. Like everybody, if someone was in a slump, four other guys were hitting great. If one of those other guys went down, everybody else just kind of picked up the slack. And nobody, um, anytime anyone was in a funk or just was having troubles pitching or hitting or fielding, it just seemed like everyone else just kind of picked up the slack and nobody even noticed if someone was having an off day, an off week, or anything like that. Like we had... I'd say myself and a couple other guys were probably the only two that didn't play affiliated ball in our entire roster, and everybody else was double A or higher, it seemed like. It was an incredible group of guys that I got to learn so much from some of them. That season, you really had to battle all the way through, didn't you? Well, especially when you have all the teams that we did, um, without all the, I guess, the veteran rules weren't really around at that time. So we we did have a, a pretty veteran squad but then you look at Edmonton who had the exact same um, mentality of they were going for those uh, ex-big leaguers ex-triple-a guys and a lot of the other leagues were able to get those same talent so we were we were definitely in it right from the beginning where everybody had strong teams everybody um, knew coming in that that's the kind of personnel they needed to bring in so uh, it was always it was always fun battling. It was, it was some of the best competition I think I've ever faced. Well, and clearly one of the, the big opposition happened to be the guys to the north, and there's a lot of stories about uh, you know some of the rivalry with that Battle of Alberta. Any stories from that that really stick out to you during that year, even during your, your time with the Vipers, that made you go, man, oh man, that was, that was the epitome of that battle? Well, I think, um, well, obviously, I think the brawl was a was mm-hmm. a huge one early on that just kind of, even though very few were from either Calgary or Edmonton at that point, there was still that feeling that we were rivals and that one of us always was trying to be better than the other. And, and that kind of set the tone for pretty much the rest of the, the history of both of our organizations. But um, I just remember... Um, facing like Lou Pote and him throwing me a knuckleball, which I'd never thought he had ever thrown in his life. And he snuck it by me for a strike. And after the game, I asked him, why did you throw me that? And he just said, we've seen each other for the last two, three years now. We've seen each other. We know each other. I just thought if I could sneak something by you, uh, I'll try it once and you'll never see it again. It's amazing how you develop those relationships, even in a in a league like that. I mean, you you get to know these players, even if they are the opposition, and you get to have a little bit of fun at their expense as well. Oh, absolutely! I know, like a lot of guys on that team were also either a part of our team before or vice versa. So you've got to know a lot of the guys on each team, and and the minor leagues or the independent leagues are very kind of small communities where everybody knows each other and. You're not really competing against them per se in the fact that you're trying to jump over them to get to the next level. Everybody's kind of pulling in the same direction. Everybody's trying to to win, to further themselves, but not at the expense of somebody else um, not having that same opportunity, I guess. So we're all kind of pulling for each other. We all want to have fun. We all love this game, and we all kind of have the same values and ideas that we're trying to play for.
Walk us through some of the bus trips, some of the plane flights that you guys uh, took part in over the course of the few years you were a part of the Vipers. Uh, there were there were a lot of long trips in there, especially considering we were probably the furthest away from any of the leagues that we were in. Um, I think one that I might have told you guys was the uh, um, Dan Miller kind of fiasco where we kind of lost a player who was a missing persons for I think three days but uh, we left uh, foothills at about three in the morning to drive to the airport got to the airport um, got everything checked in went all the way through a bunch of us were just getting some breakfast and over the loudspeaker the uh, they tell us that the plane might be delayed there's a problem and that they'll get back to us and our flight was around 7 30 I believe Around 8.15, they get back to us and said they did find the problem and they're looking for a part. Hold on a second. So we wait another about 45 minutes. They come back on and they tell us, well, we found the part. It's in San Francisco and it's heading its way up here. This flight is now going to be canceled and everyone needs to find a different flight. So that was the Northern League at the time. And I think it was something around 15 grand of a fine if your team doesn't do everything possible to make a game. So all of us go all the way back through security, all the way back to the front gates, and we look for another flight. And the only flight that they could find with enough room was 13 passengers. So uh, they made the decision to take our manager, Bushy, nine position players, and a couple pitchers that can play positions as well. And I think we took off maybe around 1, 1.30, and then we... Went all the way back through security, waiting for our flight, and everybody's kind of texting back and forth with those that are on the other side of the gate and all those that are waiting for the flight, and we're all looking for Dan Miller, and they're wondering if maybe he fell asleep and didn't know that we went all the way back through, and we hadn't seen him. They didn't see him, so we get back on the flight. We fly to Chicago, and we have to drive all the way to Gary. So when we finally get on the bus, we're texting back and forth. And, and at that point, nobody had heard from him or knew what was going on. So we get to Gary. I think the game was around 7, and we got there at 8.30 at night. And we just figured, well, we did everything possible. They'll probably just cancel the game. And they just pretty much told us, you guys got 10 minutes, or we're going to start. So we played that game. I think we lost 4-3, if I remember correctly. And we finished around midnight. Right around the same time as we finished the game, that's when the rest of our players were just getting off the bus and coming to the locker room. And our manager told us the next day it was going to be an 11 a.m. game for Kids' Day. Oh. So it wasn't it wasn't a whole lot of fun. I think most of us, when we got to the hotel, it was about 3 in the morning, got a little bit of shut-eye, and then it was probably 36, 38 degrees that next day, and it was just hot, and, yeah, it was a rough one. But we found out. Dan Miller, after we went all the way through, just decided to retire and quit, but didn't tell anybody. He got in a cab, went, got his car from the field, drove around Alberta for three days, and then finally they found him when he was trying to cross the border. So that was our uh, that was our one player that we lost for three days. <laughs> when you look back on days like that, do you just kind of scratch your head, shake your head. How do you think back on it? Because at the time, every emotion's probably going through you, but the benefit of hindsight, right? Yeah, when when you're doing it at the time, you're you're not super happy, but you, you're enjoying what you're doing, so you don't really worry about it too much. 
now when you think about it, you, you definitely laugh at everything that happened and are very happy with the way your your body feels in the morning, not having to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. But uh, those are the those are the stories and the things that stand out that when you think back, you can laugh with the guys if you're talking to them or share stories with even like the college kids or the other kids of things to kind of prepare for and that you just never have any idea of whatever the plan you may have may turn out differently. So you just kind of have to roll with the punches and do what you can. On the flip side of it, you also had the opportunity to play with some future and former Major League Baseball players as well. Who in your memory sticks out as someone who you just couldn't believe their sheer talent? Uh, there were <laughs> there were a few. I know like Max Suzuki, um, he just made the game look easy. Um, watching him throw his pens and even talking to like Patrick Arliss who caught him and who was my roommate when we were in Australia, he would just be baffled that Mac would come in, he would throw his warm-up pitches, and Patrick would just be like, okay, your slider isn't very good today, so let's just go with your splitty and your fastball. And Mac would just be like, no, nope, I just want to throw sliders today. <laughs> and then Arliss would go back, call a slider, and it'd be one of the best sliders he's ever caught. And he's just going, I, I just don't get it. And he just made everything look effortless. Like even if you watch the video of when we won the championship, he looked very nonchalant, like we just won another game and it wasn't a huge deal. Take us back to that championship. You're playing Tucson. They didn't necessarily have the greatest of regular seasons that year. Was there a moment where you had to say, we can't take these guys for granted at all. And given that you'd gotten so close in the last couple of years, I assume it was, we got to go balls to the wall here. Yeah, we, uh, we, we definitely didn't want to get to game five again after two years in a row of being so close and not doing that. Um, yeah, we were, we need to win as soon as possible and as many games as possible. We weren't going to take that chance on practically a, a fifth game that anything can happen type of thing. So, yeah, we uh, we made sure we tried to come out of the gates as hard and as fast as possible, and take as many games as we could. Um, yeah, and that's kind of how we did the whole playoffs. We we just yeah we we couldn't let it go much longer and have um, one pitcher kind of decide the game, kind of like Willie Glenn did back in two thousand and seven, or just a um, a crazy fifth game like we had in Orange County where. Each one of us scored multiple runs in the first, I think, two or three innings where it was, yeah, our, both starters weren't very good that day. So, yeah, we um, we just went out there and made sure that there was no doubt in who was going to win that series. Even beyond that, like you said, all playoffs, I mean, you have to face Edmonton in the semis. I mean, it was not an easy trek even through uh, through those guys, given the, the rivalry aspect. Yeah, they were never an easy one. When you look at some of their pitchers that they had I think uh I know they always had Lou Pote there he, he was a long-standing guy there and then Michael Johnson another guy that was in the big leagues and I think it was either that year or the year before is when they picked up Jose Lima so now you've got a, a guy that had won a Cy Young and he might not have had the zip he had before he still knew how to pitch and yeah we um it was always a great battle it was almost like two double a teams or triple a teams going at it depending on who was on the mound. And it was it was each team just knowing that, yeah, this is pretty much for the province here. And, and yeah, we're going to battle and we're going to make sure that 
one of us comes out, but uh, it has to lick some wounds before the next series. What was it like being one of the Alberta boys, being able to win a championship, and not only that, but play for a team that was uh, from your home province? Oh, it was absolutely incredible. I, I do remember winning when we were when I was in Richmond for my very first year. Um, it was very surreal because I was only there for, I guess, I only played for half the season, so I kind of felt like I was a part of it, but not at the same time. But being with the same team for like the last four years, being with some of these guys for multiple years, um, and this being from Alberta and bringing a championship to this city was was amazing. It, it hadn't had a championship in a long time, especially for baseball. And, and we just wanted to make sure that everybody knew that we had a great product here that we wanted to keep around as long as possible and that people should come out and enjoy a, a great summer uh, day. What did it mean to you also to be well thought of within the community? I mean, when people think back to the days of the Vipers, your name is almost synonymous because of the good seasons you had here. Yeah, uh, it was amazing having uh, some of the coaches like uh, Bushy and Burkhart that just kind of saw something in me. I know the first few years that I was here, they were definitely kind of look and some people always ask did I take steroids or something <laughs> when I, when I also had some great seasons, I said, well, no, I just ate kangaroo in Australia a lot, but they, uh, they took me under their wing and kind of showed me some of the things that I've loved teaching these kids now and college kids that really, really translated well into my game and, and turned me into from like a slap hitter into a power hitter. And I do remember even from my time in Richmond, after every game, didn't matter if we lost big, won big, or anything, when we had a home game, we had to sit in the dugout and all the fans would come along and either talk to us or get something signed. But we had to do that. And I took that same mentality here to Calgary where I was going to stay there and talk and sign until they turned the lights out, which still sometimes didn't stop me, and just become part of um, – the city as much as possible i didn't want anybody to feel like we didn't care about the community or the fans that were coming out so i really made sure that i was out there talking um discussing and just trying to be just like a normal player but letting everybody know that yeah we we are given some special gifts but we we don't think any less or more of anyone else you mentioned a couple of coaches there, one being Morgan Burkhardt, who was your manager in 09. He also had Boots Day as your hitting coach here. Uh, walk us through that coaching staff and what they meant to you in, in getting that championship to Calgary. Well, like Morgan, when he showed up as our hitting coach, um, Bushy had kind of laid a little bit of groundwork, especially for my swing personally. But um, he really just took over and, and gave me um, so many different tools and weapons and even just ideas on how to hit that uh, I, I can see now why he's a minor league hitting coach and having such great success at this point. But uh, as a manager, yeah, he was foot on the gas pedal all season long. Like it didn't matter if we were down by six or down by 10 or it was uh, a travel day game where everybody just feels groggy and horrible it was we're playing every single game to win. And I think that also kind of helped us once we got to playoffs where every game already mattered before. So why wouldn't it already matter then? 
And then when you got Boots Day coming in with, uh, it's amazing to know when he told us that every year has been a one-year contract and for him to to have all the stories and knowledge that he did, it, it was great just to be able to to talk baseball and work with him and, and have him look at your swing and pick out one or two little things and just give you some tips to work on. And then, yeah, I just worked on as much as possible and just to watch him throw BP almost every single day to every group, thousands of pitches. It was amazing. Final question for you. What is one piece of advice or one life lesson that you took from your days uh, as a Viper, a champion in 2009 that has always stuck with you, that you hold near and dear to your heart, or even beyond that, you try to pass along to those you're coaching or teaching? Oh, there's so many, (laughs) so many good things. Trying to think of one now. Um, I think mainly just no matter what your situation, if you work hard enough, you can turn that around and you can, I guess, reinvent yourself as a baseball player and you can always improve and become something more than you ever thought. Um, For a long time, I was just an average guy that would, hit some doubles here and there. I'd get my three home runs a year and that'd be about it. But by working hard and and getting out there and and having teammates that support you so much, um, yeah, you can achieve a ton of amazing things where even though I didn't make the big leagues, I wouldn't trade any year that I ever had here in Calgary because of the special people that I've been able to meet and learn from. And now I get to take all these hitting drills and life lessons and crazy road trips and crazy just events that I never thought I'd ever see and give these kids hopefully a a leg up on someone else and maybe they can achieve more than ever I could dream of. Drew, it has been fantastic being able to uh, wax a little nostalgic with you and take a trip down memory lane. Thanks so much for sharing the stories and for joining us here on the podcast. No, thanks so much for having me here and I love listening to it, so... I look forward to listening to this one as all the other ones to come. Next up is pitcher Joe Surgent, a draft pick of the Florida Marlins. The California native found himself north of the border for that bitter loss in 2008, and he, along with many others, vowed to make it up to his adopted city the next year. And as it turns out, he'd find a home here in Alberta as he's now coaching with the Okotoks Dogs and Dogs Academy. Joe, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Take us back to 2008, 2009, and what it was that led a California kid to be playing baseball with the Calgary Vipers of all teams. Well, I mean, I think I was in Fargo from, it even goes back even further, I was in Fargo from playing for the Red Hawks from 04 to 07. And uh, this team, Calgary, comes into, into town and into the league and, they start playing and you know a lot of guys that I knew from my playing days in Florida were on this team so I knew that you know as, as my career got later and later um into my life that I would have to I would like to have played on the west coast at some point in my life and so when the Vipers kind of hit the Golden League in 2008 um you know the kind of stars aligned and I was I became a free agent and and uh and, and signed. Do you remember what your first impression of Calgary was? Oh man, it's it it different. I was thought that you know, growing up in California and, and hearing about Canada and stuff like that, you'd 
you know, the typical stereotypes, you know, the, uh, you know, it's, it's cold, you know, 12 months a year here, you know, there's people, there's uh, igloos. And so when I got up here, I was like, man, this place is, this place is really, really nice. It's a, you know, big city and, and uh, you know, they got a hockey franchise, they got a football franchise and, you know, where the, where the stadium was located, I mean, left field is, is McMahon stadium. So mm. it, it was really, really cool to kind of see it. Talk about integrating into the Canadian lifestyle. Was there anything that really took you aback from a non-baseball perspective here? I uh, just, I, the people here are so much, so friendly, so incredibly friendly. It's, it's amazing. Uh, you know, growing up in California, it's not quite New York, but, uh, it's, uh, it's very, uh, a very high paced, fast paced lifestyle. And, uh, um, you know, if you're, if you're, uh, in the backseat at all, you get left behind, you know? So coming up here, you know, seeing the, the people here and, and, and talking to the people here, it was, it was great. It was, you know, something I, I, I really enjoyed and I could see myself, uh, you know, I guess spending, uh, more time outside of baseball here. <laughs> and as it turned out, that worked out really well. Uh, talk a little bit about that first season in Calgary. When I was talking to Drew Miller about it, he said that there was already some feelings like, man, we, we're getting so close. We want to win a championship. And you, you almost got there in, in 08. And that really kind of left a bit of a sour taste in everybody's mouth by the sounds of it because you wanted to get to the promised land in 2009. Yeah, I mean, 2008 was just, I don't know, I don't know if I've been more heartbroken after a season than that year. I mean, heck, you know, we're, we're in Orange County, we're playing uh, the Flyers, you know, they're managed by Gary Carter. Um, you know, that one of the owners is, uh, if you know, the big hot show back then was Desperate Housewives and and uh, the Mike the Plumber or Mike the the main guy on the on the on the show was part owner. Mm-hmm. So they're there in, you know, game four and, and, uh, you know, all the desperate, like there's some other desperate housewives there, like, uh, Terry Hatcher and, and a couple others that were there and, uh, watching the chance for them to win. And, uh, I was, I was lucky enough to pitch that night and went out and beat them. Uh, we got the game five, you know, we took a one run lead in the top or the bottom of the ninth. And, uh, you know, we couldn't get it out in the bottom of the ninth. We get walked off on and, and, you know, that plane flight home and everything that that year, um, how much it hurt that year, um, just kind of motivated us. We all sat there in the locker room after we're like, yep, we're all coming back. We got to, we got to get this thing finally. And, uh, when 09 came, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the same players were all back. So we knew we were, there was no messing around that year. Um, very much a business like effort and, you know, we we pulled it out. Was there a moment during that 09 season where you started to realize, hey, there's something special about this group? Or was it there from the onset because of how little of a turnaround you guys had between the 08 and 09 teams? I think, uh, I think day one when we got there, it was, there was no like, uh, you know, like every kind of championship team, a lot of them talk about like, this is the moment, you know, this is the turning point in, in, in a season where, you know, um, they figured it out. But I think for us, it was, it was training camp. Right day one, we got there. We had, I think it was like a, like a May seventh, May eighth, whatever reporting date we had. And we had guys like here like two weeks early, mm-hmm. and they're like, no, we're we're getting after this thing. You know, we had a bunch of veterans, veteran players that were, you know, 
wanted this ring one more time and mixed in, you know, with a, a few of the uh, newer players, uh, young guys like Colin Morrow. And, and, you know, he was, they were, the whole team was just kind of a, a match that we, we all got along and, and we were ready to go from, from day one. Was there a particular player or group of players that really helped drive that message home from the onset and really kind of uh, stood out above the rest that season in your mind? I think one guy we kind of, I mean, we knew, you know, Drew's, you know, he'd been there from day one. Um, guys like uh, Grissel, Evan Grissel was there from, you know, kind of day one. But uh, I think the one guy that kind of really, like, um, drove us was our shortstop Nelson Castro. I think he was our biggest catalyst. I think, I mean, the guy hit 410 that year, or you know, around that. Um, played shortstop for us. Uh, you know, he was kind of like the 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 rock that we needed. You know, we knew that any time that we needed a big play to be made or a big at bat, he was there for us and 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 came through for us. I think he was the guy that kind of just sparked us every single night and we, we leaned on him when we needed him the most and he came through every single time just to get to the final that year you had to go through edmonton in a best of five series what do you remember most about that rivalry i oh man that was that I, that was probably one of my favorite series I, we played him in 08 and uh you know um now living here you know the battle battle of alberta is, is, is a big thing between calgary and edmonton and uh it kind of started to form in the baseball community during those two years. And that, and that 09 season kind of culminated with it. And, uh, you know, both teams had just great players on, on each side. Uh, you know, there was big leaguers and, and, and uh, multi-year veteran players that were playing on both sides and uh, um, being able to play against each other. It, it was really nice to kind of um, play against the team. You knew that the winner of that series, we, we knew that whoever won that series was going to win that, win the whole thing because we'd played each other. Uh, I think it was like 22 times that year. So we knew each other very, very well. We played them all in the second half. And, uh, and when we got down to the playoffs, it was like, all right, this is, this is it. This is the, this is the finals. We, we felt like this is the finals. And it's funny. Cause like a guy, like, you know, I work with, uh, with Lou Pote uh, mm-hmm. now down in Okotoks and uh, we are actually, we were matched up for, two years in a row in game one of 0-8 and game one of 0-9. And we faced each other again in game four of that same series that year. So it's kind of nice. It's kind of fun to, like, kind of look back now. And uh, me and Ludia, you know, we're good friends and, and coworkers now. Uh, and, and in that series, we were, we were going up against each other in game one and four. Were you guys pretty good friends at that point? Did you get to know each other during that series or during those games between each other? Was there any rivalry beforehand? And even now, do you poke a little fun at them maybe for it? I mean, yeah. I mean, I think it was when we were playing against each other, we knew of each other because of uh, he was in Edmonton for forever and I was in Fargo and then Calgary. And uh, we faced each other so much. You know, we became like friends through uh, kind of like what you said, like a rivalry kind of. Uh, like a respect we respected mm-hmm. each other's game because we every now we knew we'd face each other uh it was going to be you knew it was going to be for a battle because neither of us were going to give in and now like looking back you know we we chirp each other a little bit he gets me <laughs> i get him and it's fun because like we'll even uh throw live to our hitters now and like it's the, the still the competitive juices are there we 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 go back to back with each other where there's two mounds and i'm in one mound and he's on the other one and 
and we're competing, still competing against each other uh, to to uh, give up the fewest amount of hits. <laughs> Fantastic. You guys get into the final. You face Tucson, who didn't really run the table at all in the South. I mean, they were a 500 team. How important was it for you guys to make sure that you didn't take them for granted in that series? And, I mean, they did win one off of you. Yeah, I think the biggest thing, I you know, we – we knew we it was great because we were able to travel down there first. Whereas um, in '07 and '08, um, we we hosted the first couple of games and then had to travel. So we knew that if we could at least get one of those games um, down there, uh, we knew we knew we could win the series at home because we, we were tired of being the the visitors um, watching the the home team win. So we wanted to be that home team. So we knew going down there that we needed to get one. And uh, we, luckily, we ended up getting both games down there. Um, and then game three, we had to um, because there was a rainout. There, there's a rainout in in the series before, in the Tucson series before that. So they had to push the series back. So we didn't really have an off day between games two and three. So we were we played game two that night. Had to travel back the morning of game three to play. And uh, actually, Tucson beat us to the stadium. And I uh, ended up beating us in the game too. So, but yeah, you know, we were there able to beat us up here, but we knew, uh, and then game four, we, we knew it was going to be ours. I got to ask, what was it like winning a championship on home field? Oh, it was, it was electric. We knew, we, and going back to like kind of what I said about Nelson, I, we were in game three. We were, uh, I think it was like the seventh or eighth. And by that time they had, you know, just blown the game open. I think it was like, nine or ten nothing or something and uh i was we were all just kind of sitting there and nelson just goes that's okay we'll get him tomorrow we're, we'll be rested tomorrow we'll get him and we came out the next night and they're throwing their number one and uh <laughs> i don't even think he got out of the third i we there was a fire that i've never seen in this team that was like we this is not going to happen again to us this is this will not happen again so um we went out there and we just destroyed the baseball that night. And, uh, you know, by when it was all said and done, it was just, you know, counting out to that point. Mm-hmm. Hard to believe that that was 10 years ago. Oh my gosh. Right. I know <laughs> 10 years ago, 10 years ago, it's been, you know, uh, and it's funny cause like now I'm in Okotoks and, uh, you know, it was 10 years ago from our last championship win and then we ended up winning it this year. So it's uh, kind of a, it's kind of an eerie kind of feeling that, uh, 10 years ago mm-hmm. it's been 10 years since that happened using your experience from that is that something that you used for your teachings and, and tutoring of the guys who play for you now yeah i mean i think big like with the college guys um in in the in the WNBL, i think uh or now the wcbl um mm. i think moving over from uh, in the Oaks and uh, having to play Edmonton now. I mean, we kind of keep that, even though it's not the kind of, it's not Calgary per se, it's still kind of the Calgary area versus Edmonton rivalry. And uh, having that kind of rivalry still going and, uh, you know, Edmonton beating us, you know, uh, three years in a row uh, up there, you know, same, same ballpark that I got to play in and stuff like that. Uh, this year, you know, we were able to, we went up there again, had to play them again. And, uh, just being able to go up there and kind of, you know, tell the players about, you know, what, what it's like, what their fan base is like, what, what the field is like, what, uh, what the kind of atmosphere is like there. 
um, kind of settles our guys a little bit more being able to, to play in that atmosphere up there. I mean, it's a rowdy, it's, I think it's one of the rowdiest in the, in the, in the league. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's kind of being able to play as a, as a Viper against Edmonton now has helped me as a coach. <laughs> Absolutely. When you look back on your years as the Vipers, what stands out most for you? Oh man, all the guys, all the, all the, all the relationships that I made, um, you know, the, the chance to, to, to wear the, to wear the, the Calgary on my chest and, and, um, being able to bring the first and, and only, you know, professional, uh, baseball, um, championship here to Calgary. I mean, who knows when we're going to get another, uh, professional team here, but, mm-hmm. You know, being able to be a part of the first and, and uh, you know, being able to look back and, and talk to all the guys now that, you know, we're all coaches. We're all, uh, I don't, I think uh, Lentini, Phelan Lentini was the last guy to, to play and he's in Medicine Hat coaching uh, mm-hmm. in the summer. So being able to connect with those guys, you know, former teammates and, and all that stuff, that's the that's the one thing I'll miss. I, I, the, the team will kind of, uh, fade off into the sunset and, and, and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, we, we still have that championship together. We have those bonds, uh, you know, it's great, you know, being able to, uh, uh, you know, the 10 year reunion of it to kind of look back and say, Hey, you know, we, we, we did something great for the city. When you look back on those years, was there one piece of advice or one life lesson that you took away from it that will always stick near and dear to your heart? Um, I think, Never, uh, I, the one biggest thing that I remember from it is, um, you know, we, we play this game, uh, from the time we're five years old until, you know, the, the Jersey finally gets taken off your back. And, uh, you know, the guys that win championships, you know, you're never going to, you're, you're not going to remember what games you won, what games you lost, what season you played it, but, um, a championship, you can, it, it'll never be taken from you. And I've, I've always told guys that um, nobody, they never remember second place, you know, but champions, you'll, you'll never forget um, being a champion. And clearly you still remember moments at the snap of a finger, which is pretty fantastic. Joe, thanks so much for spending some time with us and sharing some of your memories from 10 years ago. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to both Drew and Joe for sharing their memories of that 2009 Golden Baseball League championship season. We also want to thank you for downloading and listening. If you enjoy this podcast, leave us a rating and review wherever you're listening. We are available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. Until next time, thanks again for all of your support, no matter the platform of Alberta Dugout Stories.